All right, so we're going to talk tonight about why the Lord got us on track in the first place. And I want to go to something Paul the Apostle so aptly said. Uh, here's what he says here. He said, he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he said, I am confident of this very thing. He said, he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And he also said, faithful is he who calls you, and he'll also bring it to pass. And then over here in Philippians chapter 3, this is a signature verse for me. This is so powerful that when I was a youth leader, my wife and I had an um, uh, article in a paper that was called The Upward Call because of these verses about pressing on. I just listened on the airplane to the Bob Dylan Saved album, and he has a song called Pressing On. And uh, it's from this verse here. And Paul talks about how he's hungry for God and he, he wants to know the power of his resurrection. Verse 10, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain, that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He wanted all that God had for him all the way through his life to his death and then after death even in the resurrection. He said, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. So Paul is honest and honorable enough to say that he hasn't arrived. He's, he's on a journey. This is a process. And he says, but I press on. Say, but I press on. Uh, he says, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a fascinating statement? Let that roll around in your spirit and meditate on it for a minute. He says, that, he says that I may, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. In other words, God, for whatever reason you got a hold of me, for whatever reason you got my attention, for however you straightened out this sinner and, and put your righteousness in me and made me a new creature, and, let, and, and, and that I was not a people, and now I'm the people, considered one of the people of God. I'm called the beloved in the New Testament. God, I, I want to lay hold of the why of, of, of how you and what you did that for. And, uh, and I, he says, not that I've attained it yet, but I want to get a hold of that. How many of you realize life is kind of mysterious, but yet God is a God of revelation, and he doesn't withhold it from us. And Paul is saying, I want to press on so I could understand these things. And he says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, and this is really a key for us tonight, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. Say that. Forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now, listen, we got to have a family vacation, and it was beautiful. Now 15 of us. And uh, it was fun, all in one house and for a few days. It was beautiful. And, uh, but I couldn't help but thinking about the start of the new year and how, you know, I'm, I, I, I tend to be here at the beginning of the year, but uh, needed a little refreshing, and we got it. And I got to go hear a pastor, a beautiful uh, Sunday service. And he, uh, he, he brought these points out, and I thought they were really good about, you know, we make New Year's resolutions, and, uh, you know, we get... Uh, excited about the new year, and I, I, I do. I, I, I face the new year with, with hope, and you know, uh, 
and, and very much, I think this is a new, this is a new year's uh, message right here. This, this verse here in Philippians where he says, this one thing I do, I'm going to forget what lies behind. I'm going to reach forward to what lies ahead. And I press on. This is what I, I really want to translate it into tonight. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I want to lay hold of that for which I've been laid hold of. I want you to be able to lay hold of that for which you've been laid hold of. I, I, I know some of your lives, I, I, you know, some of you I've never met, uh, but, but God knows everything about you. And some of the people I've walked with you for decades now, and I've watched you go through seasons. Some of you, that you might be here for the first time. Some of you watching might have just accidentally found this, but I don't think it's an accident. I, I don't believe in coincidences. And if you just give me a couple of minutes, I think some things will help you to understand that there's a reason why God has been moving in our lives and reaching for us and trying to get our attention. And, and Paul is saying, man, I, I, I want to know and understand these things. I, I want to lay hold of, why did, on the road to Damascus, did you get a hold of me, you know? And, and I think about my wife, I've been with her for many years, and she has a different experience than I do, and I, I'm fascinated by hers, I'm fascinated with mine, and I'm fascinated with ours. We all have a different journey, and I don't compare my journey with somebody else's journey, um, you, you know, and nor should you. The Bible says it's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. And early on in, in the Jesus movement, there was a lot of competition about testimonies. Testimony time would come, and people got in almost rivalry of who was the worst sinner before they got saved, you know. And I actually don't think our testimony is so much what we've come out of. I think it's what we've been brought into. That's, th this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about three things tonight. And if you're a note taker, I want to talk about adoption, family, and the power of agreement. Adoption, family, and the power of agreement. And, and I, I, I think about the, the Romans chapter uh, 8 message. Because I've been preaching out of chapter 8, verse 14 on Sundays about being led by the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm going to go on that some more. But for all of you who are being led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. And then it says in verse 15... For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So this is, I mean, I just read that pretty fast, but the spirit of adoption is something that God came to give us. We know in 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, right? He's trying to drill that down here with, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Now, what book is this? It's the book of Romans. Who is Paul speaking to? former Gentiles who have become Christians. And he's saying to them, you're, you're no longer slaves, you're now sons. And in the Roman system, 
there was a, an aspect of their law and where it, as people felt inclined that were, that were um, regarded their slaves as property, they could actually turn them from slaves to sons with something called a spirit of adoption. There would actually be a process, a legal process. This is important to me because my biological father, I never knew him until I was about 30. I met him. I had five days with him out in California, got to be with him. He was born again. He died shortly after that. He's present with the Lord. I'll get to see him again. But I got a stepdad who when I was a teenager, adopted me in a court of law, and I had a birth certificate come that stated that he was my father and that was his name. So for me, as I carried the name Perry, it's not even my name by my original first birth. It's a, it's a statement of someone who took me on uh, with adoption. And adoption uh, is inclusion. And it's something that somebody wanted to do. And, and, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And God, you know, the Bible says that we are accepted in the beloved. God didn't send his son into the world to reject. He came to, not to judge. He came not to condemn. He came to save, right? John three seventeen is as powerful and should ring as true as 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Isn't that good? Ephesians chapter 1 says this really succinctly too. So let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. And it says, and I'm not finished with Romans 8, because it says this some more about adoption. But Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. In love, he adopted us. He predestined us. He had, he, he, whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to conform to the image of his son. He saw, he saw inclinations of the heart just as Pharaoh's heart was hardened by the same impact of God as Moses' heart was melted. He knew whom he foreknew. He also did predestine. And there's this, uh, you can't get around the fact that humanity has free will. And that with that, God sees those things. He knows the end from the beginning. He sees these things. And he has made provision for a spirit of adoption to come on humanity. Remember, bearing in mind, he desires no one to perish, but all to come to eternal life just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the, his, the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, our transgressions, our trespasses, 
or iniquities, according to the riches of his grace. Look at this, which he lavished on us, it says on the New American Standard. In in the margin, it's literal Greek, is made abundant toward us in all wisdom and insight. Isn't that great? So getting back to Romans chapter 8, we've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but we've received a spirit of adoption. See, some of the people reading this letter during the time Paul wrote it would have been those slaves that became sons that had such a a sense of uh, breakthrough in their life, that their, their, their master became their father. That's, that's radical. That's radical parallel. And um, then it goes on here, and it says in, um, in Romans chapter 8, we, we see that his spirit testifies with our spirit that we're the children of God, and heirs and joint heirs and so forth. Verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, the manifestation of the children of God, the men and women of faith. The world and creation is looking for us to step up in all of our inheritance. And this is right here a starting point, understanding the spirit of adoption. Adoption is where you are brought in and you are made part of the family. And a family is a group uh, of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit. And I just told you we had a family vacation with 15 of us in one house for 10 days. It was loud. And I'm telling you, straightening the living room was an ongoing situation. Um, Family uh, are all the descendants of a common ancestor. A family is a group of two or more persons related by birth, marriage, or adoption who live together. All such related persons are considered as members of one family. Family is important. In 1992, I was at Paramarquette State Park praying, and at five years into this gathering, that's when the Lord gave me the name St. Louis Family Church. We, you know, we're in the St. Louis community. God brought us back to St. Louis. This is where God's called me and planted me, and um, we're a church, and uh, he wanted me to call it a family church, and it's because those who are once not a people are now the people of God, and uh, this is the thing about the family uh, of God, the family, the nuclear family un- unit, a husband and a wife and kids and so forth is clear. But in the kingdom of God, we are once not a people. Here's Paul, a Jewish man, writing to Romans or Gentiles. And we're going to see in a moment in Ephesians where the dividing wall was broken down. And, you know, I saw this couple up here that, uh, you know, he's from a Jewish background, she's from a, a Catholic background. And together they come to know Jesus, and the dividing wall is broken. And now we're one. And if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation, right? And that, that whole notion of that we've not received a spirit of, of, of slavery leading to fear again, that's why there's so much joy and hope in, in uh, the correct exercising of faith. 
when we really understand the Lord, this is part, this is like the, the, the entry-level understanding. It's, we don't apprehensively, uh, you know, like cower in his presence. He's called us to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. And confidence is something that children have. We just saw this with our kids. It's not, can I please have a meal? It's like, this is what I want to order. You know, so it, because they have their king's kids and they understand that, right? We've got a whole house of king's kids who understand that they're joint heirs and they're, they're, they're participating and they have what, see, we're joint heirs with Jesus. That means Jesus has something and he's, an, and he's enabling us to have what he has. Right. Ephesians chapter one, I just read it to you, but look what it says, that, that, that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we've got to get a hold of this. Everybody say adoption. And so uh, there, there's just so much to this. You know, let's go to Galatians just real quick. The Galatians kept trying to revert back to legalism, and Paul the apostle had to straighten them out to keep them on, on the grace side of life and not try to live up and comply with every... Um, uh, code and and, uh, and 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 dietary law and variable. He, he he came to them with these this message, chapter four, verse one. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we are children. While we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. So here's the notion that growing up spiritually helps us to get breakthrough to understand our rights and privileges in Christ. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law and we might receive the adoption as sons redemption oh hallelujah you're bought with a price he bought us brought us out of darkness he brought us into righteousness can i hear a hallelujah man you ought to be grateful for this and then uh in colossians chapter 1 verse 13 it says he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. He redeemed us and he rescued us. And it says in verse five of chapter four of Galatians, he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons because you are his sons. And here's a quote that echoes what is said in Romans 8, 15. God has sent forth the spirit of his son. So he, these are interchangeable. The spirit of adoption, that's the spirit of his son. Into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Everybody say, Abba, Father. Now that's the personal thing of a, of a, of a I can count on it relationship with my God. My wife had a good relationship with her mom. I had a good relationship with my dad. And uh, as we matured, I would say that there was a friendship that I saw between the daughter and the mother in the case of my wife and my mother-in-law. And in the case of my dad, there became, a, our relationship just continued to develop. 
I'm telling you, that doesn't always happen with everybody. We have our dysfunctions and our issues and disappointments in life. So if you notice what I said, you also notice what I didn't say. But otherwise, everything went pretty good anyway. Okay? Right? Hallelujah. But I want this thing with God, like Paul. Not that I've already obtained it or have already been made perfect, but this one thing I do. I want to forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. I want to lay hold of why God laid hold of me. And I want to develop an Abba Father devotion to my God where he is personal with me and he is what a friend we have in Jesus. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He said, you're my friends if you keep my commandments. My commandments aren't burdensome, he said. So there is an invitation to adoption a spirit of adoption where there's inclusion. You're accepted in the beloved. You're a new creation. You're a partaker of his divine nature, right? You've been transferred out of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son. That's why Pastor John was asking the folks getting baptized, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes, he is. And I'm burying the old man, and I'm being raised up to walk in newness of life. This is a turning point for me on a, and the, the, the ordinance of, of, of water baptism, uh, confirms that in a tangible outward way to the world, uh, buried with him through baptism into death in order that we we might be raised up to walk in newness of life. It's good to be adopted. It's good to be adopted. Remember the guy that started Wendy's Hamburgers? He was adopted. You remember his name? Dave. And he's just a smiley, smart businessman, but he, through his life, you know, he named his company Wendy, and uh, after who? Yeah, and he was just so happy to be having, he was adopted, and he was happy to have adoption, and uh, so, you know, and he, and he applied that to his, uh, his burger business, you know, and so there's this incidental statement uh, that's voiced through the name of the company. Let me tell you what the name of the kingdom of God is. It's he's our father, we're his sons and daughters, He's given us the spirit of adoption that we would be accepted and included into the family whom he foreknew he also did predestine. He had a plan in his love. He predestined us to adoption. And uh, so that's pretty exciting. And uh, when, we, when we understand that, it, it breeds connection with God, with fellowship with God and deeper connection with him and and, and in our relationship, it, when we understand our relationship with him, then it's going to fuel our fellowship with him. This, is, this helped me out so much early in my Christian life. When I went to Bible school, this was emphasized. Uh, these were the important teachings that brought me into um, drawing near to God that he would draw near to me. And that I, I, this, this Abba Father, I, I don't call God uh, daddy or anything like that, because that's just not how I roll. Some people do that. Um, you know, I, we one time had a friend named Bill, and so what are you doing? And he, there, he was making cassette tapes, was re- redoing cassette tapes, and he said, I'm making tapes with dad. And it was like, my brother and I couldn't quite relate to that, but that was his thing, and God bless him for it. But he's making tapes with dad, you know. It's, it's like, I, I don't think that's exactly what Abba Father might I don't know, but it meant it for him, so that's cool. I just couldn't relate. But, but nor do I relate to God be having lightning bolts in one hand and a scowl on his face, 
mad as, as heck at all of us. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And he, you know, he is a God of judgment and wrath, but he poured out his wrath on Jesus. Right? So, uh, you have received a spirit of adoption. You ought to be as happy as I was when the mail came on extra high quality stock paper that had a stamp, not just handwriting on the edge, that was from the court, and it was written, typed out, Mr. Jeffrey Charles Perry, and then our address. And my parents said, you got a letter in the mail. And when you're a little kid, 12, 13 years old, you don't get mail. But I got mail. And when I, they let me open it, they didn't open it to read it. It was my mail. And I still have a thing about that. If it's somebody else's mail, I don't open it. And uh, so I got a butter knife and I opened it and pulled the letter out. And it was folded real tight. The letter paper matched the quality of the stock of the card. And I held it. But, you know, the substantial feel of the really good, you know, rag content paper, the content outweighed the quality of the paper. You know, they make Bibles really nice, and they bind them well, and they put leather covers on them, because, and they put gold on the edges. But that pales in comparison to how powerful the content is. So I had really tan, you know, the tan. I'm touchy-feely, so I love, and I understand paper because I, you know, study art and painting and stuff like that. So there's certain types of paper that are really good. I'm real big on that with mailers and things. When we made those football cards, I wanted to make the stock exactly the quality that you would expect from a professional sports card. So we, we did a special coating. We had them cut the certain way. We had borders on them. We had stamps on them. We had it, the, uh, the uniforms and the names of the teams. We figured out how to do it where it was, it was top-notch. And I just Googled, and they're trying to sell those things still on, online. And uh, selling gospel tracks. And, we, and you, you know, we paid for those. I remember a Baptist pastor that was a soul winner. He came, and he got a case of them, and he was so thankful for them. We gave them out, six million of them. But I'm telling you, the stock and the coating and the quality of the ink could not compare to the content of the message. When I got that letter in the mail and I opened it up and it said, this is to inform you that you, the, your adoption is official. You are now, Clyde Perry is now your father. You're his son. And uh, sincerely, and you know, the, I, I don't remember the full wording on it, cause, but I just remembered that it was a turning point in my life. And if any man is in Christ, he or she becomes a new creation. And I had a reality moment. That, that was when I was about 12 or 13. I became a Christian when I was 16. I used that as a reference. When I stumbled on some of these verses, I thought, oh, well, that happened to me. And then when I heard a minister preach one time about a Roman law and history and about slaves becoming sons, and why this was stated and put forth by Paul to the Gentile world, they would have understood this. Like, I understand this. That's why I'm bearing down on you sharing it. And uh, we all have, in this dysfunctional, fallen world and humanity as a family of man, generally speaking, it's also fractured and fallen. But yet, when you come to Jesus, he transfers us out of the dominion of Satan, brings us into the kingdom of his dear son, and... You know, 
even our sound man getting in the water baptism, I think that's a statement. That's a turning point. You know, a mother and their child, a husband and their wife. Um, as in, we all stand individually. And yet, and this is what I want to finish with, we are adopted into a family and there's a necessity. Now we need to understand these things. How many of you understand that we are adopted? Okay. And that we're in the family of God. Okay. So now I want to finish with, so therefore we need to get an agreement. In, in, uh, in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it, say, can, it says, can two walk together except they be agreed? In the King James, it says, do two walk together unless they have made an appointment or they're in agreement? And you could read the context of it. It's really interesting. But what I really want to say to you is primarily stated in Matthew 18, 19. I've got a path beaten to these verses from since I was young. And I want to show you this because uh, how could two walk together unless they be agreed? And so there's, there's something um, in the spirit of adoption. I think the reason, and I, oh, I wish I had time to read this, but I'm already, it's already 9 o'clock. Well, I, no, I wanted to read all of Ephesians chapter 2, but anyway. <laughs> you're going to have to read it. Because it says that, in, in, in that it said we were separate, excluded strangers from the covenants of promise. We had no hope and we were without God in the world. But God, being rich in mercy, uh, reached out to us and he redeemed us with that adoption, Right? And brought us into his family. We who were once not a people. And then there's that dividing wall that's been broken down. So I know a lot of Jewish people that are Christians. And they're my brothers and sisters. And um, you know, I know a lot of Gentiles that aren't Christians yet. And I believe in God they're going to come to know the Lord. Because I know the gospel is the power of God to the Jew first. And also to the Gentile or the non-Jew or the Greek. And that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God to salvation. That's the spirit of adoption. And I saw a court of law turn me from Jeffrey Charles Casentini to Jeffrey Charles Perry. And it really endears my heart. I'm a little bit interested in the Italian aspect of that, and I'm a little bit interested in that, but not that much. And here's why. I'm not into that endless genealogies. I'm so into the spirit of adoption that I've never bothered to get my nostrils squabbed so they tell me how, what percentage of Native American I'm not. <laughs> and I know they're going to find out I'm a pirate with a pirate, uh, a lot of big percentage of pirate, I'm pretty sure. So I might not want to know. You might not want to know some of that stuff. But I do want to know this stuff. I want to know how I'm related to God or what Jesus did in his spirit of adoption to come and save sinners and bring us out of bondage and bring us out of darkness. Come on. Those who are once not a people are now the people of God. Look, that's why I don't like division in the church. People that draw people to themselves and alienate people from people and go away over here and we're more anointed than they are and that we don't relate to them and all that. That division is wicked. But look, but look what it says here. Matthew 18, 19. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. 
And right now I can hear symphonic sound coming from the, behind. And actually the word, that's perfect because the word in Greek for agree is symphoneo. Symphoneo is where we get the word symphony or symphonic. That means we're sound, they're sounding things together. And so I'm going to finish and we're going to get ready to stand. But in Acts chapter 4 is a perfect example of those who were adopted into the family of God. God in agreement. And if you read in Acts chapter 4, we'll finish with this since we understand where two or more are gathered in his name. There he is in our midst. Can I hear a hallelujah? So now Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had had an encounter with the Lord and somebody got healed and they got hassled by the uh, authorities and they were told to shut up. But it says in verse 23, when they had been released, chapter 4, verse 23 of Acts, look at this, something so powerful. They went to their own companions. The King James says they returned to their own company. They went to their own company. This has to do with that spirit of adoption and that family relation connection. And they got back with the believers. And they got with the people. They were with people that were not connected with God, trying to tell them to shut up about the things of God. And then they got back when they were released. They reconnected with those who had experienced the spirit of adoption and were in the family of God and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And they, when they, listen to this, they who had heard from Jesus that if two of you agree on earth as touching anything you ask, it shall be done for you by my Father who's in heaven. They, look, lifted their voices in what to God in one accord. That's symphonic. See, the opposite of symphony is dissonance or discord. That's why God hates a sore of discord among the brethren. And you see it, and it's to disrupt this. That spirit of adoption that was given to the humanity cost Jesus everything he had. It was the biggest investment God made in humanity. And he gave it so we would be a family unto him. And the devil loves to disrupt that, but if we can understand that and get acclimated to that as individuals, we get acclimated to that in our household. I'm, I'm going to tell you, we had a wonderful, and I'm thankful for whoever, we have people pray and intercede for our vacations because it's a herd of cats all wet in a bag in the dark, <laughs> tied up on the top, you know? And you're gonna either come out all scratched or you're gonna come out all purry. And I'm telling you, we had a, we had a really, it, because there was harmony. Five little kids, I mean, people yelling, running all around, everybody has opinions of what they wanna do and they're all individuals, they're all, but yet, and that's so typical, it was beautiful and that's, I think we're at our best when we take all these things into consideration that we've been adopted, we're accepted in the beloved, we're a family. Cults impose these things in weird controlling ways. Wear the same clothes, it's uniformity and conformity. God says, no, I'm gonna liberate you. You be your exotic, true, individual, unique self. And you won't, as you join in um, and, and you flow, uh, you don't lose your personal individuality, but as you come into the body, you carry that in into the body, and by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. 
So these guys, look, they lifted their voice. Let's all stand up. They lifted their voice to God in one accord. Said, oh, Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. That's quoted from Psalm 2. And then, so notice they didn't complain about the people. They first started to honor God for all that he had made. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them. And by the Holy Spirit, uh, here's what you did. You spoke through David to us. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. So there's that acknowledgement that I, these guys, Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened. These guys are going to be wicked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this together for good. I'm going to use this. Now the Lord, now Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now look at this. This is when their minds and hearts are in one accord. They're a, they have a spirit of adoption. They're in the family of God and they're in the power of agreement. Uh, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Father, I thank you for that spirit of adoption. Thank you that we're accepted in the beloved. And in case somebody's watching that's never submitted to the Lord, today's a day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Here's what you do. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believes and the result is righteousness. With the mouth confession is made and the result is salvation. Wow, there are results. And it's amazing, it's a mystery, it's, it's, it's baffling to the human mind that something so powerful as a new birth could occur through that confession and acknowledgement of Jesus. So I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord. That's why Pastor John, when he's baptizing, he says, have, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes, I have. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Everybody say Jesus. I receive the spirit of adoption that you paid such a price for. I receive your mercy into my life that you now accept me into your family. And I'm in agreement with my brothers and sisters and ask that you would stretch forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of your son, Jesus. I stretch forth my hand toward 2023. I believe as I press on, as I forget what lies behind, reach forward to what lies ahead. I have the victory. The chains are falling. Circumstances are changing. The scenario is improving. You're making things ripe for redemption. 
Hearts are being touched. The church is experiencing revival. And the world is being harvested into the kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.